You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. I posted this tweet the other day, and I think people thought I was subtweeting people, but I wasn't. There's this, there's this idea on Instagram that I see all the time. Cash is king, but credit is power. Or cash is king, credit is emperor. Somehow people got this fucked up idea <laughs> that credit is better than than cash, than revenue. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> what you're talking about is the power of leverage. But you can leverage cash just like you can leverage credit. You just don't know how. It's just not common. You're just not thinking about it. If I have a brand, I could put 20000 in my brand and get $200,000 back out of it. I could put $20,000 and get a $200,000 loan that I then have to pay back. But that revenue, that's tax. That's after tax, that's free cash. Like Pusha T said, these Adidas checks don't bounce, baby. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, must the motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm up in the play. On the way. Motivation for all the real ones, nigga. On the way. On the way. The big check. You ain't know I'm up next when I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. On the way. What's up, y'all? So the Million Up Mindsets team has relaunched our tech subscription service. So it's a platform that sends out motivational texts every day, updates on the podcast, info on investing in real estate, saving tips, and all updates regarding the Million Up Mindsets podcast. To subscribe. Text MMPod to 24251. Again, to subscribe, text MMPod to 24251. What's up, y'all? This episode is sponsored by Park Hill Consulting Services. If you are interested in learning how to purchase your first investment property or you need some help getting your finances in order so that you can purchase your first investment property, just contact us at www parkhillconsultantservices.com and we can get you started. We hope you guys enjoy the rest of this episode. Episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Deanna Kent, sitting here with my co-host, Xavier Miller. What's up, what's up? And today we got another dope episode for y'all. We got a very special guest joining us. He's our business partner and friend. His name is Ooz. He's the founder of REC and Your Big Thing Co. He's about to drop a bunch of gems on y'all today. So welcome to the show, Ooz. Thank you for having me. You don't know how much this means to me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man, the the, the listeners have no idea. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Well, you know what I'm saying? This, this episode is a lot in the making, you know, to get us here today, but it's going to be a great episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, let's, let's get right to it. So for the people that, that's not familiar with you, do you mind just giving a background on yourself? Just what started it all to where you are right now? Yeah, so um, 
I've been networking a lot recently, and people have been asking me that very same question. Like, how did, how did you get here? How did somebody like you become a business owner? And the truth is that I realized that it's not in my personality to have a boss. But I wasn't always like that. There was a point in time where I would go to work, and they would give me work, and I would be like, yes, boss, and I would do it. But it would kill me on the inside. Like, <laughs> it would kill me. I don't, I don't. When I think back to it, I'm like, yo, I'm glad I got out when I did because my very last job, I was working as an investment management auditor and I would go to work every day and I would get to work and I would tell myself, man, I hate my job. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. I hate it. And then something else would be like, but you need money. Keep working. And so after a little bit of time of doing that, the friction just built up too much. I ended up leaving that. I ended up linking up with a former partner of mine. We started a credit business. That was cool. That went for about three and a half years. In between that, I was co-owner of a Bitcoin mine. I was co-owner of an Uber car rental business. We rented cars to Uber drivers. And I was also co-owner of a photo studio. So, Uh-oh. M- multi- multi-talented. Real, <laughs> a, real, a real entrepreneur. Real businessman. But That's dope. What... What happened in all that is I wasn't really focused on those businesses like I should have been. I was focused. My my thought has always been if I know how to set up a business in 10 days or less, I can go anywhere in the world and live however I want. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that's what that's... brought me to where I'm at right now. That's 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 where you guys are meeting me, in the middle of me developing that process. Wow. I, I, like, I like that you said that you were just saying you could develop a business. You could go anywhere. So with that, with, with with that being said, so was your mentality from the jump like, I want to go across the, I want to be global, I want to go across the world. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it's funny because I was one of those kids that used to sit on the couch and play video games. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> me too. Me too. I used to me go to track practice, come back, play video games, RPGs, sports games, FIFA, whatever the case is. I was chilling. And then one day I kind of got bored with that. And I was like, what other kind of games are there in the world? What other kind of puzzles are there in the world? And I was like, business is a game. I'm good at games. Let's play that. I like that. And a big, a major thing of like um, entrepreneurship and being a business owner is problem solving. And it's like the best way, honestly, to start your business, look for a problem and figure out how you can solve it for your consumers. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're even just solving problems for yourself. Yes, <laughs> and then you right. find other people that can relate. We all got the same problem. Why not? Let me sell it to you. Let me sell you the mm-hmm. solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you and you 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 talked about uh, quitting your job. When did you know? Because I know people ask this a lot. When did you know it was the right time for you to leave? <sighs> I got a little story for you. Okay, so. At my job, they used to do reviews. And I'm not going to say the name of the employer on purpose. (laughs) But they used to do reviews. And so um, I used to sit across from this guy every day. It was just me and him in a little room. We used to see each other eye to eye 12 hours a day. So you can't, it's hard to not make a connection with somebody when you sit across from them for that long. So, you know, you tell each other your hopes, your fears, your dreams. After a while, you become close. And so... I could tell that this guy was stressed. Like he was stressed. They were giving him work. He was, he felt like he was overloaded. He was complaining to me on a regular basis. And then the story gets a little dark. One day he comes into work 
he sits down, tears start falling down his face. Hmm. He's like, yo, Oos, I thought about suicide this morning. I was like, man. Mm. And I, I, I saw the progression of the job was doing that to him. And so after he told me that, I, you know, I, I was like, hey, listen, it's going to be okay. I'm here. I'm here with you. Consoled him for about 30 minutes. And then I went to the bathroom. I looked myself in the mirror. I looked myself in the eye and I asked myself, would I be okay if I ended up like that guy that sits across from me every day? Mm-hmm. And I told myself, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, I, the thought just was constant in my head. Like, you got to quit. 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 And I started building myself up. I started telling myself, hey, if I quit, I could do this. If I quit, I could do that. If I quit, I could figure it out. And then just two weeks later after that, I gave him, I put in my two weeks notice. And that was mm. it. They tried to talk me down. They sent the partners after me. Said, hey, it's okay. It'll be all right. They told me they transferred <laughs> me somewhere else. They told me everything. I said, nah, I can't do this. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Because, like, it makes me think, because I'm reading this book right now called What It Takes by Steve Schwarzman. And for people that don't know who that is, he's the, uh, the, uh, damn, I'm going, yeah, he's the founder of Blackstone. Okay. The founder of Blackstone. So I'm reading the book, and it's pretty much about, how he got to where he is, you know what I'm saying? Like organizational skills and tips and stuff like that, how to run an organization. And like, he talks about a lot, like creating that culture within the organization and like how to, you know what I'm saying? How to, how, how to create a culture where people enjoy being there. They want to be there. That's how you get good environment, good productive work done. So, but with that being said, when he when thinking of that, that, that environment you just discussed is the opposite of that. So I want to I want to dig deep and just like what is the what do you think is the root of a culture like that like how did a culture get like that where you got a you got an employee thinking about committing suicide like what is that environment like how does how does that happen with that culture and that job? I if I had to guess I would say it's the system of incentives where okay. the people who are in charge like the we would work on projects so if the project finished early the person who was in charge of the project would get a bonus. And they would decide if they wanted to give us a bonus or not. We were all on salary. So if the project ended early, they were making more money. So it was in their best interest to drive us to the bone because they would make more money. And so many people were applying to that company. It's, you know, a high prestigious company. Like when we got in, they're like, congratulations. You just got into an organization that's harder to get into than Harvard. So I was like, oh, okay. So that means there's probably 100,000 people applying every day. <laughs> that means we're replaceable. That's how I heard it. Anyways, mm. I know you got to stay positive, but <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I like that's real. Yeah. That's real. So because there's so many people trying to come in, because the job is 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 such a high level job that everybody wants to be a part of, they don't. You're kind of dispensable. You're you're a cog in the machine, and <clears throat> I don't think that the the culture the culture is kind of passed down from top to bottom. And I don't think the people at the top had gotten hip to the whole fact, the, the whole idea of sustainability. And it's funny that you mentioned BlackRock because their sister company, Blackstone, just said they're only going to be investing in sustainable projects from now on. Mm, and sustainability yeah. starts with your employees. Humans are your best and number one piece of capital because they're the ones that make everything go. 
That's game. Mm-hmm. That's game. That's important. That's that's just important to know, especially for people that's listening, that's business owners. You know what I'm saying? If you got employees, make sure you keep that in mind. Even the people that's at the bottom of the totem pole, because your 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 uh your end goal or whatever, it's a it's a it's definitely a deflection, and it deals with them directly. So mm-hmm. you got to make sure they feeling good, they comfortable, want to be there, and stuff like that. But let me uh, doc, you want to say something? Oh, I was going to say something else, though. Just on the topic, because it's, like, even though that's, like, like him wanting to commit suicide, like, the sad reality is a lot of people are in that position, like, feeling that type of way about their job. And that's kind of why we preach. If if you're going to work a job, you shouldn't be dependent on the job, meaning you should have other streams of income coming in from your investments or other things. So if you do find yourself in a position where you need to quit this job and cut off this stream of income, you're comfortable until you can find somewhere else where you can go. So you don't have to be stuck doing something that's like literally driving you crazy that makes you unhappy. So just for the people listening, if you find yourself in that position, that's the main reason why you shouldn't allow yourself to be dependent on one stream of income and, you know, do your due diligence and get other streams of income, invest, learn how to invest. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like just thinking about this now, hustling is a habit. <laughs> it's a habit because I thinking back, like there was a point in time where I didn't, I wasn't thinking about side income streams. I wasn't thinking about any of that. I knew about it, which is the crazy part. But I wasn't thinking about it. I was hustling on the basketball court after after work from like seven to nine. <laughs> but I wasn't <laughs> hustling online, hustling on the side, trying to make some with a side hustle, making extra money. So it, you got to have that habit, and when you Get into your first job, at least if it's a professional job. For me, I was in the finance world. You don't have time to build a new habit because you're trying to learn everything that you need to learn on the job. So it's almost like you have to build those income streams before you get into your first job, before you get settled into those habits of waking up, going to work, coming home, and then doing whatever it is that you're going to do. You got you to gotta say, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not going out. I'm not hanging out. I'm not chilling. I'm going to make some money. Even if it's fifty dollars, people sleep on fifty dollars. Like I take little money every day, man. I respect the money now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Change your whole perspective of it. Yeah. Little, I say the little stuff add up. <laughs> the stuff add up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You get fifty dollars. You get fifty dollars a day. That's what's that? Six hundred dollars a week. Yeah, that's six hundred dollars a week. So shit. Wait, am I right? <laughs> am I right? Hey, that's three fifty. <laughs> 30, yeah, 350. Like, <laughs> Y'all, they gonna kill you on Twitter. <laughs> they gonna kill you. Yo, hey, no, look, 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 look. A stack of money is 26 k I'm thinking, my bad. I'm thinking 100. I was doing 100 times five. No, that's it. No, I was doing. I did 100 times five. That was like five days a week. That's 500. But that's still off anyway. But look, this for the people that's that's listening to this. They gonna be like. Yeah, I wish y'all could have seen Oos and Deanna's face because they was just looking at me with this face like, like these, they wouldn't even go correct my ass. They was just looking like, I'm like, yo, y'all got a face. <laughs> they gonna, they gonna, they gonna kill me for this shit. They is, they is. <laughs> That's why I didn't say right. <laughs> All right, you could be like, you should be like, no, no, you, I know, I know you getting that, but this what you say. They, they about to kill my goddamn. I ain't even gonna, I ain't even gonna edit this out. I'm gonna leave it in. This like, that thing can't count. <laughs> <laughs> he's really good at math. I'm good at I'm good at I don't know what I was on right there, but it's it's all it's all good. But 
<laughs> yo, yo, wow. But uh, sometimes I want to ask you, because uh, you, you spoke about this on Twitter. You talked about the basics of startup finances. You talked about financials, basic paperwork, and budgeting. I just want you to dive into that because you, you had a whole thread on it. Just dive into that, how important it is and all that stuff. Whew. That thread was so long ago, I almost forgot. <laughs> 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 no, honestly, I think I think uh, over the years, over the period of me starting multiple businesses, I had business partners. They started businesses. I, it came to a point where I realized, yo, none of us really know everything that we're supposed to be doing, including me, who went to accounting school worked at an accounting firm when it comes to a startup there's a specific list that you have to go through nobody knew it why didn't anybody know it nobody really sits down and asks themselves it's online you can find it so i decided that starting from that day i was going to document everything that i do in a business starting from the finances and eventually i got into the marketing but as far as startup finances are concerned there's that kind of like gray like dotted line between the legal and taxes when you start your LLC and that's where your finances really start when you decide to incorporate or start an LLC or even if you're starting a business you want to start to separate your personal and your business finances because that's what's going to start to create that legal separation between your business and yourself and if you get sued what happens and so just starting from there once you realize you got to separate your business and your personal finances, you're like, okay, let me start an LLC. Maybe let me start a business bank account. When you start your bank account, I always suggest to people to take the profit first strategy where you set up five bank accounts, one for income, all your money goes in there. And then you separate that money amongst your four other accounts, which are for operating expenses, taxes, savings, and profits. And as soon as you get some money, you put your profit away first because that's what you're in business for, to make a profit. If you're not making a profit, then go run a nonprofit. <laughs> Pretty much. That's what the name is for. So you put your profit away, then you put your money in there for expenses, then you put your savings and your taxes, and you run your business only based off of the money that's in your expense account. So the way that works is if you get $100, you only put 60 inside of your profit account. And then you put 20, sorry, you put 60 in your expense account, excuse me. You put 20 in your profits and then you put 10 for taxes, 10 for savings, and you run your business off of that $60. If you run out of money, that means you need to sell more. If you run out of money, that means you're not selling fast enough, period. That kind of lights fire under your ass and that keeps you in that constant state of need. Because when you business, when business, business owners, I've noticed entrepreneurs, when, that's, when we're in that state of need, we're going to do what it takes to make the money that we need to make, period. So this is kind of like psychologically getting you ready to always hustle. Okay. It's kind of like a hustle hack. So you got your bank account set up. <clears throat> and once you've done that, the next real thing you want to do is start building credit for your business. A lot of people don't know you can build credit for your business even if you have bad personal credit because you can build business credit completely separate. The process isn't magic. <laughs> Let me right. say that. You're not just going to go from nothing to something. But if you go through the process, you can come out with like $100,000 in credit cards that are basically free money, if you think about it. And they don't have your personal guarantee on it. If for some reason your business fails, it's not. <laughs> 
you don't have to pay it back. And that's that's man, that's some that's some valuable information right there. And two things that you spoke on that uh, I want to talk about more is pretty much I was I was watching this interview the other day, and it was with uh, it was with Mark Cuban, and he was saying how um, he was just saying how if an account like accounting is the most important thing in business for real. he was like if you don't understand basic accounting, your business is probably not going to succeed. It probably will fail. And I, and with you saying all that, you know what I'm saying? That's just pretty much what he was saying yeah i i feel like though there's different kinds of accountants yeah there's as if you're uh and i don't know if this word is out there maybe i'm making up a new word but i think if you're an entrepreneur you got to learn performance accounting Mm. what i call performance accounting is looking at the business and tweaking the numbers so you squeeze more profit out of it in a way that's sustainable obviously that's the new culture doesn't sustainability is interesting when you think about performance accounting because like how long can you squeeze money out of your business and i say squeeze not in a negative connotation but really you want to squeeze the business for money mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't mm-hmm. think about that performance accounting because a lot of people just think about the those accountants they're like okay tell me what happened i'm gonna calculate all the expenses and then i'm gonna let you know how much you've been spending you've been a bad boss stop spending money <laughs> You don't want those kind of accounts. You want performance accounts. Right. And that's the type of accountant that I that I aim to be, that I aim to embody. And uh, something else that you spoke on briefly was business credit. And you spoke on the differences. Because I feel like right now, some people still don't know the difference. Like I talk about how I was having a conversation with someone and he was telling me how he was like, yeah, I won't be able to get no business credit because my personal credit fucked. And I was just laughing, but I wasn't laughing at him. I was just laughing at the fact that it's like that that it wasn't true what he was saying, but he didn't know that. Yeah. And I'm like, it's, I understand that you don't know, but it's it's not the same thing. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people don't know that your business, your business in the U.S. legally is its own person. So just based off of that fact, it can have its own credit. Just think about it that way. New person, new credit. So your business has a public business credit profile that people can look at. If you don't take care of it, if you don't build it, even if you're not looking to borrow money, businesses, suppliers, vendors are going to make their decision on if they want to work with you based on your business credit score. So it's very important to take care of, even if you're not going to borrow money, because people are making their decisions about you. It's kind of like the front of your house. If the front of your house is run down, people aren't going to respect it. But if the front of your house is nice, when they come over, they're going to, they might take their shoes off at the door. They're going to have a smile on their face. They're going to be like, wow, I, I came somewhere. <laughs> so <laughs> business credit is important. And the fact that you can build it without your personal credit is just an added bonus. That's extra free money you can get because you can get money through your business and then you can get money by yourself. So uh, we know like when it comes to personal credit, some of the easiest things to do to build it is like, you know, start applying for different things, trying to get different um lines of financing from the bank but when it comes to business credit is the process similar or what are some tips you can offer for people trying to establish it yes it's similar i could give you a quick overview in like 30 seconds pretty much when it comes to building business credit you're first establishing credit with other businesses because at the end of the day a bank is a business you're a business but a bank is like a higher level business that you're going to have credit with so you want to start with what's called vendor accounts where you get net 30 terms to pay them back so a really big company is Quill. It's all over. You Google business credit, Quill's probably going to come up. 
You go to them, you set up an account, you order something, you have 30 days to pay them back. If you pay them back on time, they're going to report to the business credit bureau that you paid them back on time. You get a hundred score. Great. You want to do that process over and over again, but about 10 to 15 companies. And each time at each level, you want to try and get approved for more and more and more credit. So maybe you might start out with five companies all at once, and then you wait for them to report. And then the next time you want to get higher credit limits, when you go apply, you wait for those to report and you just go through that process and your credit will build. Simple thing. And, uh, well, we uh, we know tax season is approaching, and something uh, that you spoke on before, you were saying how why staying organized in business will help you uh, extract the, the max tax advantages. So for people that uh, that's not too fully aware of that, do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, that was just, I was trying to subconsciously get people ready for the idea that I presented later that you kind of have to, you got to be organized. If you don't keep track of your expenses, it's hard for you to take your financials to your accountant at the end of the year and just ask him to do it all at once and keep track of the whole year and probably like the two hours that he has to fill out your tax returns. So if your accountant gets fed up, they're like, okay, we're not going to claim this expense. We're not going to claim that expense. And then your taxes end up being higher and you don't know why. <laughs> and it's all because you weren't organized. And that's just the basics. If you are organized, if you're super organized, what you can start to think about is, okay, my budget for the month is $500 on car expenses, and I know I'm going to be able to write all that off. Or even, um, you know, one of the times we were speaking, I was telling you guys about the Uber idea, where if you're renting out a car to an Uber driver, you can rent out the, you could write off the mileage. So let's say I rent out a car to an Uber driver, they're probably going to drive 40,000 miles in a year. I could write off 58% of that because it's 58 cents per mile. So that's about twenty-two dollars to $23,000 that I'm writing off per car that I have rented out to an Uber driver. I could do that four times and get $100,000 tax-free. Well, guess what? After that, if I have $100,000 tax-free, my capital gains rate is going to be zero because I'm going to make sure that my personal income isn't more than $100,000. Or if it is a little bit higher, as long as my taxable income is below 40000 and my capital gains are free. Now I could go out there, invest. And when I do make an investment and I keep it for a year and I sell it, I know that all that cash is mine to put in my pockets or to reinvest. And when you're trying to build and grow and make more money, being able to reinvest all of your profits is killer. I mean, look at the Elon Musk story. Mm-hmm. That's so we could go for people to, to but let's just talk, <clears throat> let's talk about that briefly though for people because a lot of people don't know and this is kind of this is real good information for business owners. A lot of people that listen to this podcast they own a business but they don't as far as the reinvesting for a lot of people take profits and they immediately go spend it on something that's completely outside the business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Goes like, oh man, I want this new watch, <laughs> new shoes, or something like that. I just want you to talk about how like detrimental. Just for if they don't know, because I right. want people to be aware and hear this, how detrimental that could be for them, for their business. I mean, I, the way I, again, you got to, like I say, you got to be organized to take advantage of tax benefits. You got to be organized to take advantage of investment opportunities inside of your own business. The way I look at it is mm-hmm. this. If I had a watch company and for every watch that I bought for $40, I was able to make 200 
that means I'm making $160 profit. So for every $40 that I spend, I'm giving up $160. If I spend $4,000, I'm giving up $16,000. Just like that. Now, why would, yeah. why would I go spend $4,000 on a pair of shoes and give up $16,000? That means that pair of shoes cost me a whole twenty grand. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sure I'm sick. But that's, that's what I'm saying. I don't think a lot of people realize and look at opportunity costs, even think of it like that. They just think, okay, I'm going to buy this. It's $200. No big deal. But you don't think of what that could be, that missed opportunity, what that could be. So right. it's important that we put that on. We put that on y'all mind, so now y'all are thinking like, oh, now, shit, this is. <laughs> I know some people are going to be like, but you know I could do both. But you still give <laughs> up that money, though. Just know. <laughs> Just know you give it up. And that's why people are always like, oh, why do billionaires, why do billionaires drive a Honda? Because a billionaire knows if they give up $40, if, for $40, they're probably making 100000 back because they get crazy returns like that. They're not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. They're getting all these benefits. So why would they spend money on a better car? Because they're they have they're losing more by buying that nice car, even though they have more money. Mm-hmm. That's that's just the difference of mentality right there. It's just the way you think about it. Mm-hmm. But something um we kind of we we talked about business credit and all that, but we kind of skimmed over why you should actually operate as a legal business. So can you kind of just give us some information on that as why? Someone should go ahead and go file for LLC or S-Corp. Yeah, I was actually reading something about that today. Pretty much that legal liability, one, you can't beat that. Like, obviously, if you're in a low-risk business and you're really just doing a side hustle and you're only making like two, three hundred extra dollars a month, maybe you don't need to file an LLC. But if you're a full-on business owner, go file that LLC. Go file that corporation if you need to, or maybe... File your taxes as an S-Corp so you can get the extra tax benefits. You can write off more things on your taxes. You can get the tax benefits of just depending on the industry that you're in and the state that you're in. Sometimes they have tax incentives for business owners where if you hire people, they decrease your taxes. But that only works if you have a business. Also, if you just need to do regular transactions like Back in the day, it used to be that people could go deposit cash in your personal account. Now they can't do that. You have to have a business account. But if you have a business account, people can still go deposit cash in your account anywhere in the 50 states. It just gives you so much more access as a business owner. So beyond that legal liability, but that legal liability part is really important. (laughs) Don't want to get sued personally, period. Like anytime you're in business and you start making a lot of cash, Set up that LLC or that corporation so you don't get sued personally. That's something that I've heard has happened to a lot of people. For example, I have a friend. She's a tattoo artist. She took a deposit instead of a retainer. And so when you take a deposit, technically it's supposed to be refundable. She didn't have an LLC. She got personally sued. Damn. Yeah. And it'd be the little things you least expect. The tiniest things, the nuances are usually what gets you. Yep, the nuances. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's facts right there. And uh, you want to say something else? You can go first. Okay, I was gonna go, I was gonna go to something else if you. That's fine. Okay, so uh, recently you uh you you spoke on how how you believe that the the power of black people is rooted in storytelling. So I'm like, we have to have this conversation on here just for the people when they hear <laughs> when they hear when they, 
So I just want to talk about that. Why, why you believe the, the, the power is a story, storytelling for us? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. A lot of people may or may not know, but I'm originally from West Africa. And so I, you know, I like history. I like reading about history. I like learning about my roots, where I'm from, and what through my history, through my research of history of West Africa, I realized that a lot of the history over there was oral. And why, why, like, how can, if I just tell you something, you might forget. But if I tell you a story and everybody else is saying that same story, that story's not going to be forgotten. It's just like myths, like the story of Her- Greeks did this, with the story of Hercules, but West Africans did it a lot. Africans did it a lot in general. You know, some people might have heard the story of Anansi the Spider, which was a Kenyan story in Swahili. And so what people need to start to realize is the thing that makes Black people so charismatic, so entertaining, is the fact that they're good storytellers. It's not just because, hey, I got black skin, I'm going to be <laughs> charismatic, but because you live inside of that culture and people are always telling stories. The jokes, like, you know, black black folks in America, at least, in American culture, they like to crack jokes. And those jokes usually yep. come as a form of story. People always come through like, yo, bro, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> at least out here in Baltimore, I hear that a lot. You know, and so that power, that charisma that you have, that's an ability to be able to sell at the same time. That's what gives you the ability to talk your way into anything or as they call being a smooth talker. And so because we have that as part of our culture, we have to kind of start shifting and thinking, look, we could start our own businesses. We could sell our own products because we have that ability. We just have to start thinking in a business mindset. We got to start thinking like millionaires. And not like people who want to go out and have fun. And when we start harnessing that ability to make money, the sky is really the limit. Mm. And so something that you just said that I want to touch on, I think is very important is right now we we got a, a lot of people saying they don't want to sacrifice. Well, not, I don't want to say necessarily sacrifice, but they like, you know, I could die at any moment. That's how a lot of people think. So it's like, why should I hold off on all these things I want to do? Where I could be like having my fun, enjoying myself, and stuff like that. Where you, just, where you kind of you, just, you just said how we need to be instead of just thinking of trying to have fun, we should be trying to build something sustainable that lasts after us. So, what do you think about those two different mentalities with people that think like, "Oh shit, I might die." Oh, yeah. I was. You can have fun and own a business. The two are not mutually exclusive. I don't want people to think that. Now, some people make it boring. That's that, that's their choice. That's their life. But you could have fun and own a business. I mean, look at how we met. We met on Twitter. We're always tweeting, <laughs> you know, getting people excited, getting people motivated, making people mad, just creating stories. Like how how much to me being on Twitter and marketing myself is fun. <laughs> you know, no, what I'm no question. And so no, no. people are always on Twitter. You always see this tweet. You're on Twitter anyway. You might as well sell something. If you're hanging out with your friends, you might as well sell them something. That's what the that's 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 why I say people got to switch their mindset up. That's what the, the the drug dealer that comes through and sells you weed so y'all can smoke. He smoke with you, but he getting his money. <laughs> or entertainers, what do they do? They get paid to go entertain. I'm not, now. I'm not saying you have to be an entertainer yourself. I'm not saying that you have to be a drug. Don't be a drug. Don't sell drugs. Don't sell, don't do that. But what you could do is take the idea that stories are used to sell 
and go find the people that want to buy your product. Tell them stories. They're going to be happy. They're going to give you money. You're going to be happy. And then everybody's happy. Everybody's making money. I know it's not that easy, but it really could be, though, because it will once you get used to it. No, that's right. And, and what I think is so important, what you just said, is I was watching uh, the movie Crazy, Crazy Rich Asians the other day. <laughs> and uh, so, so for the people that don't see it, now, I, I think y'all should check it out. It's, very, it's a very interesting movie. But something that stuck out to me the most in that movie is how, where, where were they at again? They were in uh, Taiwan. No, no, it wasn't Taiwan. It was uh, Senegal. No, 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 hell no. It was somewhere to start with an S. Singapore. Singapore. Yeah, Singapore. That's what it is. Singapore. So yeah, they was in Singapore, and so the the mom she was telling she was telling her son or telling her friends that she was like Americans, y'all don't value creating something sustainable. She's like, y'all don't value mm-hmm. creating something that lasts after y'all after y'all are gone. All mm-hmm. y'all think about is y'all selves and enjoying y'all lives and living and following y'all passions and doing whatever y'all want to do. But she was just basically saying like that she didn't say that don't matter, but she was saying how we think about us after we're gone. We think about the future generations and in America y'all don't. So she was like, that's why I don't really want my son Dating an American, and I was, and I'm like, <laughs> she, was she was, she was, she was cold. And a lot of, a lot of people, I seen a lot of people reaction saying like, she was a bitch. I, she, I hated her character, but I looked at it from a different angle because I'm like, I rec- I see, I'm like, damn, I understand what she mean because for the most part, especially in our culture, especially I'm gonna call this out, especially within the black culture, is we don't really think about all right, how it's gonna be when I'm gone. We just think about it. I'm trying to live my best life. YOLO type shit when it's really you're not going to be here forever. Somebody going to have to make up. They're going to have to make up for the mess that you did while you was here or they're going to carry on the torch. And it's up to you to decide which situation you want it to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because my services end at helping people <laughs> create an exit plan for their business. That's whether they sell, get more investors to grow, or if they're going to pass it on to their kids. And I rarely talk to black folks about passing businesses on to their kids. Ironically, last week, one of my um, one of the people in my network put me in trust with this woman who's a trust advisor. So all she thinks and all she does and all she works with is succession planning. Mm-hmm. Take your business, put it in the trust, make your kids the beneficiaries. You can still get paid out from it while you're alive. But when you die, they're not going to have to pay that inheritance tax because they're now beneficiaries of that trust. People don't think about that. And we could talk about trust and how to, like, you know, save money on your taxes, we'll call it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. all day. But that very, just that one final step of taking your business, putting the trust, making your kids the beneficiaries is important. And what comes with that is maybe your kids are living in a two-parent household where the parents are, you know, managing that trust and the kids are benefiting from that. They're benefiting from the cash flow and the parents are just there to make sure that the cash and the money gets transferred to their kids. Um, I think that's very important. I think that that very little aspect is something I'm going to focus on in the second half of this year, just to get that message out there and make sure people really understand the power that they have at their 
disposal that they don't really use. And like you said, people in our community, they don't think about that. And, and that was you that said uh, cash flow is the bloodline of a business, right? That was you that oh, said yeah. that, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. I say that all the time. I say cash yeah, flow yeah. is the lifeblood of a business. Cash flow is the best insurance, period. And, th- and go in go in on that. Just talk about for, for people that don't, that's not too sure what you mean by that. Just go in on that. So I got a little, I got a little history with people. <laughs> My first business was a credit business. So we would help people fix their credit and get loans, get approved to loans. And it, it shocked me that 95% of the people who we were helping to fix their credit and get loans were black. And all they ever wanted was to set up a business and get a loan. And then after that, they didn't know what to do. So after like a year, they would come back and they would need to get their credit fixed again. And they had this kind of thought that, hey, I could just keep getting loans and I could keep trying business. Nah, you got to learn how to generate some revenue. You got to learn how to sell. If your business doesn't have cash that's sustainable, eventually the well is going to dry up and you're not going to be able to continue. So I posted this tweet the other day and I think people thought I was subtweeting people, but I wasn't. <laughs> there's, this, there's this idea on Instagram that I see all the time. Cash is king, but credit is power. Or cash is king, credit is emperor. Somehow people got this fucked up idea <laughs> that credit is better than than cash, than revenue. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> what you're talking about is the power of leverage. But you can leverage cash just like you can leverage credit. You just don't know how. It's just not common. You're just not thinking about it. If I have a brand, I could put 20000 in my brand and get $200,000 back out of it. I could put $20,000 and get a $200,000 loan that I then have to pay back. But that revenue, that's tax. That's after tax, that's free cash. Like Pusha T said, these Adidas checks don't bounce, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. That's my dude, Pusha T. I, I fuck with Pusha. Like, so that, man, that was the gem that you just said, though. You just said how you could leverage cash, how you leverage credit. People just don't know how. Like, that, that's, that's heavy game right there. And just... Do you mind going to a, a, a little bit more ways on how, how someone can do that? Yeah. I mean, you know, the way I just spoke about was building a brand, yeah, building a marketing system brand. that you can invest in and money comes out. Um, even if you want to borrow money, there's these things called standby letters of credit, which are used to finance big projects. I saw a guy, he invested 60000 into a standby letter of credit. He got a loan for $10 million to build a housing development. And then he sold all the houses for $16 million. He paid back the $10 million, And he did all that with 35000 He didn't need good credit. He didn't need business credit because he used a standby letter of credit. And he had a great project out there. He did that with cash. Now people are going to say, yeah, but you could go get a line of credit to then do the project. The, nah, you don't get a line of credit to do a $10 million project. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because <laughs> if that project don't go well, you're not, if you don't have any cash flow coming into, into you, how are you going to pay that back? You know, you still need that cash at the end of the day. Whenever you get credit, you got to pay it back. Yes, it gives you access, but that's just one of the ways. What I want people to start thinking about is leverage. What is the asset that I'm not using? Where's, where can I find an underutilized asset? That's where the leverage comes from. That's what credit is about, not about just building up some fictitious score and borrowing money like 
No. <laughs> and do do you think as far as business and business owners, do you think they're the biggest mistake that you see people make is not being on top of the, the, the money part, like how much coming in, how much going out, taxes, all that is that the biggest mistake you think people make? I think that's the biggest fear people have. Mm. People are scared of the numbers. I don't know why there's this false narrative out there. Maybe I'm not in everybody's brain, but sometimes people say I'm not good at math. Well, I'm good at counting money. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if you don't want to know how much money you're losing, that means you don't have you don't have it in you to be in business. Get out. Don't do it. Or hire somebody to do it for you. And I know that sounds harsh, but you got to learn how to take a loss to be a boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and something that you just said that I think not even not even apply, just applies to business, that applies to, to, to personal finances as well. Where you just say, if you don't want to look at the numbers, if you don't want to look at your accounts, it's the same way with your personal money. The people that always say they don't got no money or they're struggling with money, when you talk to them, you realize they're always the same people that never look at their accounts. Mm-hmm. They never. You're like, when the last time you went over like your, your, your bread, you checked your account, like had a budget, they like, uh-uh, I don't even want to look. I don't want to look. <laughs> that every single time, bro, every time. You know what's so funny? That... People always, when I work with people and they want me to do some type of accounting work for them, I always tell them, yo, look at your account. I need you to look at your account. I don't want you to just give me your login and be like, ah, right, you got it. I don't care if you trust me with a billion dollars. I pride myself to be the person that if you gave me a billion dollars, I'm going to come back and give it to you a year later. But there is no way I'm going to leave you for a year without you looking at your account, unless it's some type of special circumstance. Look at your account. See how much money's coming in. Here you go. Here's the report. This is how much money you spent. You're not being smart with your money. I can't save you from that. I mean, maybe I can, but I'm not going to. Be smart. Be smart. <laughs> a lot of people, they just don't want to deal they don't want to deal with it because they know, like, uh-uh, I've been going crazy. They don't have to face that reality. Mm-hmm. They spend their habits. Like, yo, I've been going crazy. I ain't, you, be, you, be, you go ahead and look for me. Don't even tell me, though. <laughs> Just let me know we good. Just let me know we good. You be like, yo, what? Like, you looking at foul, bro. But something else you said, you was talking You was talking about how to determine when and where to invest in your business. And uh, we was we was already, like, on that topic earlier, but that's what I forgot to ask you. So how can people determine, like, okay, when and where to invest, directly invest in their in they business? I mean, I think the where usually comes first. Okay. Just look at your business, look at your activities, figure out what are you doing that makes you the most money. Once you figure out what you're doing that makes you the most money, ask yourself, can this grow? If I put more money here, can this grow? For example, let's say you're selling shoes. You got two pair of shoes, one Gucci, one Prada. The Gucci shoe, every time you sell it, you make uh, $200 gross profit. The Prada shoe, every time you sell it, you make a $400 gross profit. But the Prada shoe isn't as popular as the Gucci shoe. So if the Gucci shoe is more popular and there's 100 people that want to buy the Gucci shoe versus 20 that want to buy the product. Guess what? 20 times 100 is 20,000. So you go ahead and you sell that Gucci shoe and you invest in buying more Gucci inventory. Invest in that inventory. Inventory is an investment as I, the way I look at it. So that concept applies to just about every business that's out there. Whether you're going to buy a new product, you're going to set up a new activity, you're going to start selling a new service, Figure out where you could go in your business 
to spend time or money in and make an investment. And the time piece comes in where can I make this process better? So instead of hiring one sale, one salesperson might sell the hundred shoes, but the second salesperson might sell 200 shoes in the same amount of time. So then I need to invest in hiring a better salesperson. So you just got to think about all the different assets that you have in the business, the money, the time, the people, the merchandise, the brand, the marketing. There's so many different opportunities just inside of your business that you could analyze and figure out, hey, maybe I could make an extra $100,000 this year just by tweaking this one little piece. And something I want to ask you is um, when it comes to scaling your business, so for the business owner or the entrepreneur, should they be looking to hit, let's say, certain profit numbers before they start scaling? Or is this something that should just be a continuous thing where they're always looking for the next move to grow? Um, so this, I'm glad you asked that question. This is, this is, this goes into the, um, where, or kind of the when and where together when you're scaling, you got to think and ask yourself, how much money do you have to reinvest in your business to scale? How much resources do you have to reinvest? Do you want to pay yourself out and make a living? Do you have a certain standard of living? Do you have certain expenses that you need to meet? Cool. Once you've met those, how much extra money do you have left over? Do you want to just have a party? <laughs> this goes back to opportunity cost. Or do you want to take 20000 that you would have put towards a yacht party and put that back into your business? If you have a really good accountant, if you have a CFO, somebody like me, I'm plugging myself. They could tell you, listen, we're going to have $20,000 left over. Here are your options for where you could put your money inside of your business. If you don't have somebody like that, you have to learn how to analyze your business in that way. And a lot of people usually think, like, for example, e-commerce. They're like, if I buy more products and I sell more products, I'm going to make more money. And it's kind of just like that linear thinking. But there's other places you could get a better email marketing person that's going to help you convert more clients. And then you sell more product that way. So you really just got to think, what's the key driver of the business? Can I invest in that? And move on from there. And I know that was kind of like a complex answer, but at the end of the day, just figure out where the opportunity is and put your money there. Put your money there. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Knowing, uh, that's what I talked about on Twitter recently, just having, I feel like that's a skill where you could, where when you know, where you're good at knowing where is putting your energy worth it, it's going to get you the most return. Because like a lot of times, like even myself sometimes, I find myself doing something i could do something for an hour then i could sit and think like no nah, if i did that for an hour that'll be better you know what i'm saying in the long run for like my business or just for me personally yeah but i feel like a lot of times the difference between successful people and unsuccessful people is the people and successful people recognize that at an extremely high level where unsuccessful people they don't recognize it at all they constantly putting their time into things that's going to give them a trash return <laughs> they don't think about okay. <laughs> I like that's just the, that's just the reality of it. So it's like, do you think, like, do you how? Let let me. I'm gonna just ask you this: How do you think people could to 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 learn to how to maneuver and know where to put their time? How to figure out is this worth it? Because it's to me the answer is simple. It's like when it comes to business, what's gonna get you the most? What's gonna get you the most money? I mean, it's the but, it's like 
I always see there's this there's this uh there's this guru on Twitter, his name is Shadid. He's always sending out these tweets at like two in the morning. Are you spending your time on the high ROI tasks? <laughs> and every time I okay. see it, I'm like, damn, maybe I did something today that I shouldn't have done. Because you got to think about it like this. How much is my hourly rate that I'm earning? Let's say I'm earning 700 an hour. Would it make sense for me to spend an hour on a website that somebody else could make for 120 right. an hour? Because then I'm losing that spread. That five hundred and eighty dollars, I lost. I lost that. I, the business owner, lost that by deciding to work on that website. It, this this happened to me recently. I was supposed to put up a website, and I was supposed to work on a website. And people have been asking me about that website. But guess what? I've been taking appointments, and I've been selling and making more money. That way, I could just find somebody to do the website. I had somebody; they fell through, but I couldn't. Still, doesn't mean that I should stop selling. If I have leads, business is about sales. Let me continue the business and not waste my time doing something that's not useful. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's I feel like that's the most simplest way. Is there anybody that's 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 a, that's a dope ass answer, bro. And uh, another thing, this is probably one of the last things I want to touch on is uh, I, I feel like this is super important. And you saw you on Twitter, you were saying how if you think he said if you think any race is holding you back, unfollow me. And you just speak, speaking on like having different, if you got this specific mentality, unfollow me. And I want to ask you, because we're in a climate right now where people see a lot of things, they feel like a lot of things is holding them back. Like, okay, this billionaire is holding me back. This racist, so this mm-hmm. this uh, specific race is holding me back. This, whatever, whatever. People come up with all kinds of shit, shit these days. Yeah. It's holding me back. And you just spoke on like, that was just like self accountability, self responsibility, kind of at the at its core, saying like I'm in control. And I want to just ask you, like, where, like, uh, what do you think about the people that that think like that? They got somebody holding them back. The way I'm gonna start with a little metaphor. The way I look at it is, I used to run track, and for anybody that's played any any kind of like running sport, they always put you. Sometimes they might put you on that harness and they tell you to run. Mm-hmm. So if you're running without the harness, you might get through 100 meters in like 10 seconds. If you're running with the harness, you're going to get through the through the 100 meters in like 14 seconds. If you're not running at all, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Period. <laughs> even if you think somebody, I'm not even going to address that nobody's holding you back. But even if you think somebody's holding you back, you're still better off running than not running at all. Period. So I don't even want people to think that they have the option to just stop and complain. Nah, keep running. Every second you waste complaining that somebody's holding you back, you're not getting anywhere. Now, in terms of people holding you back, life is a game. It's a chess game. I don't like the chess metaphor, but we're going to use it for today. Let's say life is a chess game and you're playing against your opponent. They're supposed to hold you back. (laughs) <laughs> they're supposed to make sure you don't get there. Period. Let's say you had a what's what's that? Let's say you're playing musical chairs. You're trying to make sure somebody doesn't sit. <laughs> right? Exactly. So why exactly. why is it that you can't like that people can't look at it from that perspective? Like just like they're holding you back from sitting down, you could hold them back from sitting down. There's things that you could do. You have skills, you could go into lanes that they can't get into. You can make money and then you could take that money and continue to build and grow yourself. But if you sit there and you don't think you could ever be on that level, 
You hold you held yourself back. They not holding you back. Mm, and no, but to be honest, bro, I think that's the that's the best answer I, I ever heard to that question when somebody's talking about that topic, especially with the race and the uh, the racing analogy. Like that's that's I never uh heard someone like bring up an analogy like that. Like, but if you're not, you got to move anyway. Yeah, you know what I mean. So even if even if someone is holding you back, you got to move anyway. And another point that you said when you were saying how people are supposed to, you know, what I'm saying it's supposed to be some kind of opposition. It's uh, go. I was just reading something the other day, and I was like, man, it, it, it blew my mind how he was saying, and it kind of, it kind of goes to this. He was just saying, in order to do anything, whether it's good or bad, that for you to for movement to happen, there has to be some kind of opposite force going against you. He was just saying it's mandatory. It's no option in order for you to move, no matter what it is. It has to be an opposite force. Like you know, what I'm saying you can take oh, to sports where. Right, you can take it to sports where somebody going against you. You can take it to business where you have you have competitors. You can take it to to anything like whatever. It, it has to be some kind of force. So when people when they look at stuff and say somebody hold me back or somebody in my way, you gotta look at it as that's supposed to be there, or you wouldn't be able to get to where you want to go. There has to be somebody or someone or something that's standing in between that way for you to get there. You know what I mean? It, it, it's it's a necessary evil. So I just want to say that for people to understand that when people complain about stuff being in their way of people holding you back, there has to be a force in your way for you to keep forcing forward to match your force. Is all I'm saying. You know who I just saw that said something about this recently? Um, who? I saw a post on Instagram about the baby. He was like, yo, I don't even want it if I don't have opposition. I don't want mm-hmm. it to be that easy. It's going to get boring and then I'm going to lose motivation. I want the opposition. But you know what that ties into? That ties into the aspect of a story. If you think about it, every superhero story you ever heard about, he's got a villain. (laughs) Superman just comes through and he's breaking everything. He's killing everybody. It's not going to be entertaining. So the superhero, they always say, okay, the superhero, he can't kill people. He got to save people. He got to make sure people don't die. That's what Mm -hmm. what heroes are made of. So now do you want to be a regular person or do you want to be a superhero? And that's 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 game right there, and you can't. And another thing about, uh, that goes onto that is you can't look at it good or bad, because it really all depends on it's relative. It depends on what side you want. So you gotta stop looking at it like this is bad or this, you know what I'm saying, or this, or, or whatever it is, because it all depends on what what side you want. When you even talk about superheroes and villains, we might look at a villain in a superhero movie bad, but if you from his point of view, coming right. from where he comes from. He probably in his mind he feel like he the hero of Superman <laughs> is the jacket or whatever yeah. it is. You know what I mean? So it's all at the end of the day, it's all just different force or how you see it or how you look at it. It's all to return to your situation. But at the end of the day, what we just saying is you gotta move. You know what I'm saying? Make a move. It's gonna be some kind of force trying to stop you from getting there, but still move anyway, like you said. Yeah, I, I love the answer, bro. That was that was like I said, that was the, I ne- I never heard nobody. <laughs> Talk on it that Thank way. Like, that was a, that was a, yeah that was that was fire, bro. I hope I know that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna strike for other people that listen. To it, like damn, that's that's true. That's yeah, true, I man. hope so. You I like, hope so. <laughs> and a question I have for you is, of course, you know, I always see you on Twitter giving out game, dropping different gems, and of course, you're on the podcast now doing the same thing. But for you, like personally, do you feel like that's an obligation for you to give back all this information and resources to your community? <laughs> I was talking to our mutual <laughs> friends and she was she was basically telling me that I shouldn't be giving more. 
And <laughs> I was telling her that I kind of don't give out the game for people. I give out the game for myself. I give out the mm-hmm. game to keep reminding myself to keep staying motivated. In terms of giving back, I would love to give back. I would love my goal eventually when I'm done achieving what I think I could achieve just from the focus of my own efforts and it doesn't require the focus of a whole team. I want to be able to go and teach young kids exactly how to run business, how to make money, how to build a community for themselves so that they can become cornerstones of communities. They can become good role models. Maybe I'm not going to be the best role model, but I could inspire other role models. So when I say I'm doing it for myself, I'm doing, I'm giving out the game to people as a reminder that what I have to tell people can inspire them to take good action for themselves and to, to help them, to help them get to that next level. And then they could pay it forward and I could become a light for people to follow as opposed to just another asshole <laughs> as tweeting on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, that's game right there. That's game because yeah, I just like this whole conversation because it's a lot about economics and as we all we always talk about our community and community and stuff like that. And one of the roots to our community getting to where we want to be is be at is through, you know, what I'm saying us creating our own business and cre- just creating our own as a whole. You know what I mean? So that's why I feel like this conversation is really valuable. Yeah, I think the community aspect of it is is lost on a lot of people. And that's why I love this podcast. I love what you guys are doing because you guys are building a community. Whether that was your goal Mm -hmm. at the beginning or not, you ended up building a community from it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that, that was like, what we talking about? That wasn't that. That wasn't the goal. It just happened, bro. Well, our goal was to talk about finances. You know what I mean? Like, it was primarily money. It's just get your mind right so you can get your money right. That was our thing. And when we put it out there continuously, the community just came. Because I guess it was the other people on the same thing. And people identi- identified with it. Man, when I first got into business, I met this old head dude from Atlanta. And we were in Fort Lauderdale. And he pulls up in a Porsche. And, you know, I'm still wearing Air Forces and sweats. <laughs> so I'm looking at this dude and I'm like oh man he got a nice little car right there let me go talk to him and find out how he got it I was like yo what's up man how you get that car and he was like look I could probably tell you but I could tell by the way you dress maybe you'll get it maybe you won't but what I'm, I will tell you is get your weight up get your money up and I was like yo hold up hold up <laughs> he's coming at me strong he's telling me I might not yeah. even have the the mental capacity just based off of the way that I'm dressed. Mm-hmm. And that ended up becoming a long hour long conversation where he was just dropping gems on me. And I remember the impact that that had on me. Like people have been giving me game for years before I even decided to become an entrepreneur. And that's when I started thinking about it. I'm like, yo, he didn't have to give me that game, but he did anyway. And yeah. that's when I started realizing people are not holding me back. Not, there's nothing holding me back. Old Russian dudes in New York were giving me game. I sat with, I used to sit with um, a Jewish real estate agent. He would give me game. Old white teachers in school would put me on game. I had black teachers when I was young. They would put me on game. People from the military put me on game. 
people in the subway that I was just sitting have casual conversations with were putting me on game. Nobody's holding me back. Once people see that you're you're moving, you're in action, you're gonna find more than enough people that are gonna give you everything you need. And you still gotta do the work. It's not easy, buddy. Mm-hmm. That's that's heavy, because at the end of the day, game recognizes game. And when I hear stories like that, I, I, I always think, I always think of this interview I watched with Kobe Bryant, and he was saying how when he first came in the league, Jordan would give him like little tips and nuggets on how to play, like how to really, really play the game of basketball. And he was like, Jordan never, ever, he didn't tell nobody shit. Like he kept his mouth closed. And he was like, <laughs> so like, what made him tell? Like, why would he tell you? And Kobe was like, I recognize. He was telling me these things because he knew I was about that life. Yeah, like he could see it in me. You know what I'm saying? And it's the same. It's the same way in business. When when people recognize and they know, like you, true to to what whatever you say you want to do, and they can see that in you, they more prone to telling you shit. It's that when people know you a bullshitter and you just want to constantly ask. You know, how some people just DM you on Twitter just to just to. DM you say just to be nosy type stuff. You know what I'm saying? They really not trying to do nothing. They just want to ask something or just have a small conversation, whatever that is. It's it's kind of like that. It was like I'm not gonna give you what I know, what I didn't then put in work to acquire this information. I ain't gonna get you know, you know what I mean? It's the same way. But if I know you serious and I know like oh no, he official, like he 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 really about it. I'm gonna be more prone to be like, hey, do this instead. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I mean like. <laughs> Nobody once once you start once you start getting to a certain level in business and I, I work with a lot of business owners and not to get off the topic of finances, I kinda want to bring it back. I work with multiple business owners on a daily basis. They all give game. You can never learn everything that somebody else knows. There is nothing they're gonna tell you in five to thirty minutes that's gonna make you richer than them. Period. Unless you're competing in their industry. Period. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's that's game right there. Yeah, that's that's facts. You want to say something else? No, that's all for you. You sure? Yes, sir. Okay, okay. Did you have anything else you want to pick on? Um, no. I just I I really want people to focus on making money, make money every day, <laughs> make it a habit. It like old. I said at the beginning, hustling is a habit. You got to make money every day. If you get used to it, if you get in the habit of it. You're not gonna, it's not a bad habit to have. It's not like smoking cigarettes, it's not like <laughs> right, you know, all these other bad habits that you might have. It's a good habit, it's a great habit, in fact. Because I like, I spoke, I spoke on that before. I would say that's why I think having it's like I said, it's nothing wrong with having a job, and you can you, but you could do other hustles outside of the job. But it's it's dangerous when you have a job and that's just it. Because it makes you comfortable in that when how, however often you get paid, whether it's the first and the fifteenth, whether it's every week or whatever, it makes you comfortable and, and just wait and say, okay. So let's say if you get paid two times a month, if you if that's all you rely on, you'd be like, okay, with, with money, your mentality is this, okay, oh, I get paid on the first, I get paid on the fifteenth, I'm gonna wait until then, until it's the fifth, I'm gonna wait ten more days and then I'm gonna get paid instead of thinking, going after it every day, like, nah, I need to make some money. Today. Yeah. I need to make some money today yeah. too. I need to make some money today. Every day you gotta have that mentality. Yeah. I need to make some money today instead of just thinking, uh, damn, what's today? The six? Okay, nine more days, I'm gonna get some money. No, fuck <laughs> that. You need you need to try today. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's why just relying on one source of income is so dangerous. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be thinking, getting after it every day. I'm out here, I'm trying to get it. Every single day I'm trying to get it. Whether it's a hundred dollars or ten thousand. Yeah. 
And I said this earlier. I said cash flow is the best insurance. Revenue is the life of your business, but also your life. But if cash flow is the best insurance, then what do you call that skill that gives you the ability to generate cash flow constantly? That's confidence. That's 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 security. That's everything that everybody hey. ever wants: confidence and security. That's facts. That's facts. I, I, I like you said, cash flow is the insurance. That's yeah. cold, man. You, you need to be a rapper or something, man. You got, you got balls. Yeah, I got a little got tape coming. You don't even know. Mr. Cashflow. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but yeah, man. And before we wrap up, because that's that's uh pretty much all I have. I just you already know, bro. We 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 super appreciative of you and we uh We've been looking forward to this, you know what I'm saying? This has been this has been a, a lot of the making. The people don't even know. <laughs> no, man. I was I was yeah. looking listen, I've been looking forward to this coming out and then Yeah. I hope that this podcast could just help inspire as many people as possible to get on their game. And I'm gonna open up my calendar for consults again, probably in the last week of January. And if anybody wants to book a call with me, just go to my Twitter, Big Bank Oose. Book a call and we'll talk about how we could put some money in your pocket. Mm, yeah, yeah. And before we before we let you go, just plug in the rest of your stuff, <laughs> just where people can follow you at. If they want to DM you, got any messages, all that good stuff. So the best place to catch me right now is on Twitter. My handle is Big Bank Oose. I'm usually on there. If not, I have a website coming out, your big bank. You'll be able to go there and learn how to build a business from A to Z. And if you have any more questions after that, you could email me at oos at yourbigbank.com. Oos is spelled O-U-S. Email me. I'll get back to you probably within 24 to 48 hours, supposing that we don't get 100 emails all at once. <laughs> all right. <laughs> right, 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 look. And that's pretty much that's all we have for you, bro. Like I said, man, we super appreciative appreciative of you. You know, we we riding with you. We excited to Thank do you. business with you. A lot of a lot of big things coming, bro. Thank so you. Appreciate you. Man. Appreciate you guys too. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I can't wait to hear it. Definitely, man. And I'm gonna get you offline to talk about. This. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Talk talk to you soon, all right, bro. Later. All right. Yep. And wrapping up, for those who are not following me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. And you can follow me on Instagram at Deanna Kent. And you can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S. Kent. You can also follow the Million of Mindsets podcast on Twitter and Instagram at M Mindsets Pod. Once again, that's the letter M in the word Mindsets and Pod, P-O-D. And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate, appreciate y'all for tuning in. See y'all next episode. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.